भगवती नृष्णाय वासुदेवाय
in the second paragraph which we now read Prabhupada equates Bhagavata Dharma to Varnashrama Dharma now the third paragraph Prabhupada will speak about Aryas the members of human society who strictly follow the principles of Bhagavata Dharma and live accordingly to the instructions of the Supreme Personality of God are called Aryans or Arya a civilization of Aryans who strictly followed the instructions of the Lord and never deviated from these those instructions from those instructions is perfect such civilized men do not discriminate between trees animals human beings and other living entities panditah samadarshinah because they are completely educated in krishna consciousness they see all living beings equally aryans do not kill even a small plant unnecessarily not to speak of cutting trees for sense gratification at the present moment throughout the world killing is prominent men are killing trees they are killing animals and they are killing other human beings also all for sense gratification this is not an aryan civilization as stated here stirachara sattva kadam deshu apritak dhiyah the word apritak dhiyah indicates that aryans do not distinguish between lower and higher grades of life all life should be protected all living beings have a right to live even the trees and plants this is the basic principle of an aryan civilization apart from the lower living entities those who have come to the platform of human civilization should be divided into a society of brahmanas kshatriyas vaishyas and shudras the brahmana should follow the instructions of the supreme personality of godhead as stated in the bhagavad gita and other vedic literatures the criteria must be guna and karma in other words one should acquire the qualities of a brahmana kshatriya and vaishya or shudra and act accordingly this is the civilization accepted by the aryans why do they accept it they accept it because they are very much eager to satisfy krishna this is perfect civilization <clears throat> now the next paragraph prabhupada speaks about non aryans aryans do not deviate from the instructions of krishna nor do they have doubts about krishna but non aryans and other demoniac people fail to follow the instructions of bhagavad gita and shrimad bhagavatam this is because they have been trained in sense gratification at the cost of all other living entities nunam pramatta purute vikarma their only business is to indulge in all kinds of forbidden activities for sense gratification yadindriya pritaya aprunoti they deviate in this way because they want to gratify their senses they have no other occupation or ambition their method of civilization is condemned in the previous verse kah kshemo nijaparayo kiyan vartah svaparadruhat dharmena what is the meaning of civilization that kills oneself and others this verse now prabhupada summarizes the whole verse this verse therefore advises that everyone become a member of the aryan civilization and accept the instructions of the supreme personality of godhead one should conduct his social political and religious affairs according to his instructions we are spreading the krishna conscious movement to try to establish a society the way that krishna wants it 
This is the meaning of Krishna consciousness. We are therefore presenting Bhagavad Gita as it is and kicking out all kinds of mental concoction. Fools and rascals interpret Bhagavad Gita in their own way. When Krishna says, Man mana bhavamadhapto madhyajimam namaskuru, always think of me, become my devotee, worship me, and offer your homage unto me, they comment that it is not Krishna to whom we must surrender. Thus they derive imaginary meanings from Bhagavad Gita. The Krishna consciousness movement, however, strictly follows the Bhagavata Dharma, the instructions of Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam for the complete welfare of human society. One who misinterprets Bhagavad Gita, twisting out some meaning for his sense gratification is a non-Aryan. Therefore, commentaries on Bhagavad Gita by such persons should be immediately rejected. One should try to follow Bhagavad Gita as it is. In the Bhagavad Gita 12.6-7, Lord Krishna says, Yetu sarvani karmani mai sanyasya matpara ananyenaiva yogena maam dhyayanta upasate teshamaham samudharta nutyu samsara sagara bhavamina chirat partha maya veshita chetasam For one who worships me giving up all the activities unto me and being devoted to me without deviation engaged in devotional service and always meditating upon me, who has fixed his mind upon me, O son of Pritha, for him I am the swift deliverer from the ocean of birth and death. O Madhyana Timirandhasya Jnananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Meditam Yena Tasmai Shri Guraveshamaha Shri Chaitanya Manobhishtam Sthapitam Yena Bhutale Shri Vasadi Gaurabhakta Vrindha 
हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे हरे यम प्रभजंतम अनुपेतम अनुपेतकृत्यम त्वयिपायन विरहता कराजुहावा पुत्रे पितन्मयतया तरगोभिने दो स्थम सर्वभूतहृदयम So Hare Krishna. <coughs> so in these prayers that Chitraketu is offering to the Supreme Lord, uh, the first thing Krishna Chakravati Thakura writes is the observance of the meter of this verse. If you notice, the first uh, line is of, is of 12 syllables. The next is the next is 15 or maybe 18. The next is uh, the third is 12 and the last one is 15. So it's a very different type of a meter. You can't sing this so easily in a, in a specific tune. Although uh, if you have a tintal proper tune, you can compose it. This this uh, meter itself is known as Aryan meter. It's very interesting. Uh, so you can see how linguistic composition has been intertwined with literature and how it, how significance it was given to linguistics as well, and uh, how interesting it is to compose within a specific meter. So this is called as Arya meter and uh, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakura points that out. And um, and most of the verses that Chitraketu praises in this meter actually. <coughs> Kalidasha's uh, Shakuntalam also is of the same <coughs> Now, uh, this verse is also very famously known as the Aryan definition, the definition of the Aryas. Uh, and this also talks about Bhagavata Dharma. Because over the past few verses, Chitraketu is mentioning about the Bhagavata Dharma. And he has said that this Bhagavata Dharma has been elucidated by you, my dear Lord. So he is attributing it to the Lord. Any Vedic practice, uh, any Vedic uh, literature or knowledge, has three foundational pillars actually. It is called as Shravanam, Mananam and Nididhyasana. These three. They are the three pillars of any Vedic study. Shravanam we know. Vedic study entails Shravanam means hearing it from the Guru, hearing it from the Acharyas. Right now we are actually hearing it from Srila Prabhupada as we read his books. And then comes Mananam. Manana means to contemplate on what has been heard. So it is just not hearing but to contemplate. Uh, one has to contemplate deeply of what, what he has heard. Uh, the word contemplate itself is quite uh, interesting if you see the etymology of that word. And then uh, again, Sanskritam also is very deep based on etymology. Every word has an etymology behind it. Uh, it is interesting because English language, uh, most of the modern scholars have forgotten the etymology of many words because most of the language, English is a stolen language to really see. So it, they steal words from other other languages. But then, the, then they saw how we can steal some words from French, then from Greek, from Latin. So it's just a combination of many languages actually. So when, when that was there, you see medieval scholars try to find out etymology behind certain words. And that's why if you go to dictionary, you'll find certain English words, they, they find the root of that word to Latin. And that is what is called as etymology. And 
Latin you will have description of the meaning of those words. For example, religion comes from the root word religio. So that is etymology. So religio means what is religio? Religio means to connect. And yoga also comes from yuj. Yuj comes from yoga. So in the same sense, they also have etymology. And in this sense, there is etymology. And the etymology of Aryaha, this is the this is the meaning. The whole verse we can understand. And uh, I was hearing Mukunda Dada Prabhu, he says these verses are very deep actually. And if you see Prabhupada writes long purports to these verses. And many Acharyas also comment very deeply on these verses. So they are very significant verses to meditate actually. And see, and, and see the mood of Srila Prabhupada. Prabhupada starts this purport by saying Bhagavata Dharma and Krishna Katha are non different. See, what is, what is interesting is, dharma is very is seldom understood properly. What to talk of common people like us, even Yudhishthira Maharaj cannot understand dharma. He is Dharma Raj himself. He is the one who is the presiding deity for dharma. He himself is confused what is dharma and what is adharma. Many times. We see in the battle of uh, Kurukshetra, uh, what was the point where Dharma Raj himself failed to follow dharma? Anyone remembers? Correct. Krishna asked Dharabraj to say, Yudhishthira, he says, I want you Pandavas to go and tell Ashwa, sorry, Dronacharya that tell him Ashwatthama is dead. Now Bhima was ready to go and say, because Krishna said, yeah, I'm ready, I can go and say. But then Krishna says, well, it's better you don't say because uh, people will not trust you. <laughs> so, because you can, you can say anything to get a bowl of lettuce. So, you be you be quiet. Actually, it is not like that. Bhima, Bhima Sena knew the heart of Krishna. And he knew exactly what was dharma and what was adharma. Uh, it was not that he was a fool, actually. Uh, but Yudhishthira Maharaj, Krishna specifically asked Yudhishthira to say, you should go and say. Why? Because you are dharmaraj. And if you say, Dronacharya will, will agree. Because it is dharmaraj who is the embodiment of truth and dharma. And he is saying Ashwatthama is there. Now, it was a very difficult situation for Yudhishthira. <laughs> I am Dharmaraj. I am Dharma personified. And here is my Supreme Lord asking me to lie. So, for a brief moment, Dharmaraj himself does not know what is Dharma. What is he is suspecting the Supreme Lord himself. Who is Dharma to Sakshat Bhagavat Pranitam. Dharma means whatever the Lord says that is Dharma. So, therefore, even Dharmaraj cannot fathom how to understand the specific instruction of Krishna. So he goes nevertheless because Krishna has ordered him and he says to Dronacharya, Acharya Ashwatthama Hataha. Hataha means he is dead. And then as if nobody has heard he says Kunjaraha. <laughs> he says slowly Kunjara means what? Elephant. Because there was an elephant named Ashwatthama that was also was killed. And he says Ashwatthama was killed the elephant. The elephant. And the elephant, he says it very... So that he is protected from lying. So he says, better I get protection. So, you know, Krishna is telling me to lie, but he is the Supreme Lord. He will tell anything. So I should follow him. He said, no, I will not follow it. I will do whatever I have to do because I think this is him. Because of which Mahabharata says, he was taken for a... Uh, it is called as... A, you know, here they do tours 
<laughs> tours of uh, that house, this house, lot of houses, and things like that. He was taken a tour of the Naraka, of the hellish planets, because he did not follow the instructions of Krishna. And that is why many people do not understand Krishna and his teachings also. Because dharma is just not black and white. Because in today's uh, parlance, people calculate and uh, assess everything in terms of black and white. But if you see the foundational principles of all of this is what? Money, wealth, sense gratification. You really see. Uh, which we will see as we go ahead when we see the non-Aryans part of the discussion in, in, in today's discussion. Um, but before we go, let me clarify what was Krishna's intent because I don't want to leave it half-baked because people will think Krishna lied. Krishna wanted Yudhishthira Maharaj to lie. I'll give you a simple example. Imagine you are in an ashram in a very remote place and then and you are following the vows of dharma. You don't lie. You are very strict with your vows and you don't lie. Okay? Think you are in this position. While you are performing your japa, your japa yatna in the morning, there is an old man who, who is carrying all his life worth of uh, uh, punji or his wealth, which he's earned for his whole life, running towards you. And you notice he's the old man running towards you. And the old man says, there are a band of thieves following me and they want to steal everything from me and they want to kill me. Please protect me. And you will say, yeah, you can go and hide in the ashram. And my ashram, you can go and hide. And then the thieves come to you. says, did you see that old man? Where has he gone? Now, what will you tell them? You say, I am an embodiment of truth and dharma. He's there in the ashram. <laughs> <laughs> what will you tell them? Think about it. You can't lie. Yeah. What will you tell them? This is called Dharma Sankat. <laughs> dharma Sankat means you are in a situation you do not know what to do. So therefore Krishna says Dharma is just not black and white. Dharma means to do what is good at that particular point in time which is hita, which is beneficial for the society. That is Dharma. So in this case it is just not childish black and white. You see, it is childish, not childish lying. And that has to be sanctioned according to the scriptures. It is not that everybody starts lying then. <laughs> so here, of course, what will you say? Old man? I didn't see anyone coming this way. <laughs> or you will say, ah, that man, that man ran this side. You see, please follow him. He went this way. You see, so uh, dharma is not that black and white. So in this case, why did Krishna ask the Yudhishthira Maharaj to say that? Because here was a Brahmana who is doing the duty of a Kshatriya, Dronacharya, who has taken a vow to kill 10,000 Pandava soldiers every day if he does not kill Arjuna. Today, if I can't kill Arjuna, I will kill 10,000 people in the war. This was his vow that he had taken. Imagine at that right age, Dronacharya is accumulating sins and sins after sins, first of all, he is not following his Brahmana Dharma. He has become a salaried, salaried employee of the Kauravas. And because he had to do the Namak, you know, you have to, in, Hindi, Hindi say, they, in Hindi they say, you have to repay the salt that you have eaten. Or because he has taken Vetan, you have to work for the people. So he is working for Dronacharya and taken a vow to kill 10,000 people. To please uh, Duryodhana, sorry, not Dronacharya, to please Duryodhana. 
So Krishna says, here is a pious man. Rana said he was a pious man. Because of his own selfish interests, he is now killing 10,000 people every day. Imagine the sins he is accumulating. So, let me remove that old body of him and give him a young body. So that he can continue his son. That was the whole purpose. Because for us, we only see one point in time. Krishna's, Krishna sees the jiva's journey. So, he uses Yudhishthira Maharaj as an instrument to tell Dronacharya and to also show Dronacharya that you are not so glorious anyways because you are attached to your, your son. So therefore, you are in a battlefield. The moment Dronacharya heard this, what did he do? He just dropped his weapons. So what does that mean? He was fighting for whom? Sense gratification only. He was fighting for his son. Because so that I am salaried, so that if I am leaving, then my son can become the, you know, the Madhadikari, the follower of the ashram, so that he can train the future generations. So he was seeing, again, this is a concept of what caste system we see today. So he, he in, inherent, there was a defect in his inherent understanding also. So therefore Krishna says, okay, this old man, let, let me complete his body now and then give him a new body so that he can continue his sadhana. And Yudhishthira Maharaj, you should be an instrument in my doing. Because it was, it was a war. So therefore Krishna's application of dharma is very unique. It's very strange. He goes and tells Karna that you are the brother of Pandavas, but he doesn't tell the Pandavas that Karna is your brother. <laughs> very interesting. Krishna is very uh, difficult to understand. It's very difficult to understand. But uh, therefore, Krishna, Dharma and Krishna are not different. Therefore, whatever Krishna entails in his teachings, it is difficult to understand. But if we follow it, that is what is the ultimate perfection of human existence. And that's why trying to understand Krishna is a perfection of our lives. We may not understand Krishna completely, but even attempting to understand Krishna, we can get purified. You see? So that is the beauty of Krishna. Therefore, Prabhupada begins the purport to say, Bhagavata Dharma and Krishna Katha are non-different. So what we are now doing is Krishna Katha, talking about Krishna. So that itself is Bhagavata Dharma. But there is a very interesting way the purport goes. Prabhupada quotes, Kaumaran Acharya Pragnyo Dharman Bhagavatani. Dharman Bhagavatam means what? Bhagavata Dharma. Iha. What? One should start practicing Bhagavata Dharma when? At the time of Kumara. Kumara means what? Five years. Five years is called Kumara. Uh, when someone reaches the stage of five years, he should practice Bhagavata Dharma. Durlabham Manusham Janma means what? Durlabha means what? Very rare. This human form of life is very rare. Huh? So one should practice it very uh, at a very young age because human life is meant for understanding this subject. In that purport of 761, Prabhupada writes, therefore, the beginning of anyone's life is Brahmacharya. Prabhupada says that. How can one practice Bhagavata Dharma? By following Brahmacharya. That is the whole idea of the Gurukula system where when the boy turns eight, the uh, Guru comes and takes the boy. That is when he is done Upanayanam. Upanayanam is the purificatory ceremony. There are 12 samskaras that we go through. They are called as purificatory ceremonies. And these purificatory ceremonies are not external rituals. But they are, if you see the whole system of the Varnashrama Dharma is to elevate the consciousness of that particular living entity who is embodied in this material body. Everything has to do of elevation of the consciousness. Uh, there are so many yoga systems, you see, uh, Patanjali Yoga Sutra, there is Kundalini Chakra Yoga, whatever, so many, so many yoga systems. 
But the whole purpose of all these practices is to elevate the consciousness, to come to a point, not just to elevate the consciousness, but to come to the point that Jivera Swarupahoe Krishna That is the perfection of once, that is what is called as Jaiva Dharma, which Bhaktivinoda writes a book called Jaiva Dharma. This is the whole purpose of Dharma of a Jiva. What is my Jiva? What is, I'm a Jiva. What is my Dharma? My Dharma is to serve Krishna. To come to the point of that I am a servant of Krishna and I am eternally serving him at all time, places and circumstances. But does it mean I will only serve when I finish this body? No. That is what Prabhupada goes to the next purport, next paragraph. Prabhupada says that Bhagavata Dharma means living according to the instructions of Supreme Personality of God. So Prabhupada now brings commonality between Bhagavata Dharma and Varunashrama Dharma. Again, in, in, uh, in our practice of Ispan itself, we have seen there are varied opinions about Varnashrama Dharma. Many people think Varnashrama Dharma is lower, it is just to do with the socio-economic classification of the society. We are devotees, we don't follow Varnashrama Dharma, uh, which is also true in one sense, but that is also not completely true. Most of the devotees quote Ramanandaraya and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Samvar, where Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, when uh, he asks Ramanandaraya, what is the ultimate aim of human existence? Then when Ramanandaraya says, Varnashrama Dharma, uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says, go further, he says. So this is usually the conversation that is quoted to kind of say Varnashrama Dharma is, is not the way we have to go. But we have to understand, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did not reject Varnashrama Dharma. Varnashrama Dharma is something to do with our external existence. Because we have two existences. We have our Jiva as a Jaiva Dharma and we have a body and we have a prescribed duty and we, when we function in this material world. To function in this material world, Varnashrama society is imperative. And many people think, oh, what is this Varnashrama Dharma? And many people also say, you uh, Vedic people or Hindus, so-called Hindus, you tell Krishna put the system. Where does Krishna speak about Varnashrama Dharma in Bhagavad Gita? Fourth chapter. Chatur Marniyam Maya Shrishtam Guna Karma Vibhagashaha. Now, when Krishna says, I have made these classifications of four uh, orders of life and four uh, spiritual ashrams, that is, what are the Chatur Varniyam? Varna means color actually. Color means what? Color of consciousness. That's what Varna means. Varna actually the Sanskrit meaning or etymology Varna means color. Color means color of consciousness. You see, um, in, in English we use this, he turned blue. What do you mean by turn, turning blue? Huh? Huh? What do you mean by turning red? Angry. Why red? Because consciousness also has colors. Uh, a recent system where uh, I don't know what is it called as through through certain point of uh, certain scientific instruments you can see the aura around a person and uh, when you see the aura as red this person is angry you can see the aura it, it is not visible to the naked eye but it is visible through these uh, I don't know what devices they are called as in science there are some where they can see the energy bands around humans or any not symbol, there is an instrument, it's called as uh, some, uh, some specific spectrometry or something. Uh, yeah, some type of photography. Thank you. So, Varna means color in one sense. 
So color of consciousness means what is the guna of a certain jiva, what is the nature of certain living entity. And then based on the nature of that living entity, he must be engaged in the society according to his nature. Varnashrama is a scientific, social, psychological classification of human consciousness. It is not just Brahmana, Vaishya, Kshatriya and Shudra. It is a scientific, psychological classification. Even today, they may not be calling it as Varnashrama society. Look at our offices. I work in a corporate office. So we have administrators, we have strategic thinkers, we have people who work on the lowest level. You see Shudras, Vaishyas who do business, who are marketing and sales professional. So you will see these classifications are imperative actually. They may not call it Varnashrama, but it is a, uh, a socio-psychological classification of human consciousness. But the idea of Varnashrama is just not to classify. But the idea of Varnashrama is to engage the society in a way according to their natures in their external activity called as prescribed duties. By so doing, their consciousness can evolve towards Krishna. That is the whole purpose of Varnashrama. Keeping Krishna in the center of everything that they do. That is why Prabhupada writes in this chapter, in this purport, Yetu Sarvani Karmani Mai Sanyasya Matparaha. Sanyasya. Sanyasya means what? Nyasa means to give. Nyasa means to give up everything. Sam means what? That is the meaning of sam. Sam means the Supreme Lord. Sam, samam bodham we say, right? So in Sanskritam, S-A-M or S-U-M is the Supreme Lord. Sam, Nyasa means to give everything to the Lord. To mai sarmani karmani means whatever one does has its prescribed duties. That has to be done to please the Lord. Whatever duty you are doing, whether you are a father, you are a mother, you are an employee, you are a student, Whatever your dharma is, you should do that dharma. A student should go to school and study. That is his dharma. But at the same time, that has to be done to please the Supreme Lord. So this is called as apritagdhiyaha. Means, one is to see, see when we study Bhagavad Gita, there is one way of approaching Bhagavad Gita. That is called pritak. Pritak study means what? Bhakti is different. Karma is different. That is pritak way of seeing. Another way of seeing and studying Bhagavad Gita is a Saman way of studying, meaning not to see it differently, but everything in the application of Krishna. Karma done to please Krishna is Bhakti. Is it not? Now think about it. If everybody says, Prabhuji, I will do 192 rounds every day. For if, imagine, every single person in this planet will start saying that, I will do 192, per, 192 rounds every day, I will not work, Prabhuji. Of course, it is very glorious. This is just for argument's sake, I am saying this. Somebody has to grow food, right? Somebody has to grow food. Somebody has to sustain this universe. And it is, it is not possible everybody to do 190 rounds because of his nature, because of his guna. He is naturally inclined to do some work. So therefore he has to be engaged in certain prescribed activities. That's why Prabhupada, if you see, when we started ISKCON, Prabhupada said, somebody asked Prabhupada, Prabhupada, is Varnashrama imperative to become bhakta? To become a devotee. Prabhupada said, which ashrama were you before you became a devotee? And then the disciple said, I was a hippie ashrama. <laughs> I was the hippie ashrama. So, so Prabhupada said, so therefore you are not following Varnashrama. You are not even inside the Varnashrama. The beginning of Varnashrama is what? What is the first step of Varnashrama? Is to say, Kalau Shudra Sambhava. Shudra, one has to come to the position of a Shudra. Shudra means Shuchat Dravana. One who has Mercy to everyone, that is Shudra. Shuchat Dravana. Dravana means one to, Shuchat means one who is uh, working to 
eradicate the troubles of others he is a shudra so one who is not a shudra cannot even call himself a varnashrami so the initial qualification is one has to come to the platform of shudra before he can become a brahmana you see that is that is varnashrama system the, so he is outside varna so prabhupad said so varnashrama is not required but then you see prabhupad started bringing in varnashrama to say no varnashrama is one of the aims of this society to establish varnashrama so then there then the concept was say we we got a concept to say varnashrama doesn't mean only farming societies no varnashrama is just not farming societies varnashrama is varna and ashrama together as a cohesive unit working towards a spiritual goal so that is the whole idea of varnashrama it is not a hierarchical society uh, it's very difficult to understand varnashrama dharma and it is probably pos- possibly impractical to apply it in today's world given given the state of today's situation but yet we have to try and think how we can implement varnashrama in this society that's what prabhupad writes in the second purport a uh, second uh, third paragraph of the purport that in varnashrama society the topmost person should be the brahmana top in the sense why because he does all this three does shravana manana and nididhyasana he studies the scriptures he meditates on the scriptures and he lives his life according to the scriptures that is brahmana because if a brahmana does not follow his practice of what what is his practice shama dama tapa saucham shanti rajvam these are the practices of a brahmana if he does not do this but he behaves like a shudra then he is not a brahmana he is not a brahmana brahmana doesn't work for a salary brahmana never works for a salary brahmana only lives on donations you will see glorious acharyas in our previous life uh, they lived according to this principle so uh, and, and therefore he at the max he can fall down till a vaishya but not a shudra that, that is the allowable limit for a brahmana a kshatriya can play the role of a vaishya onto shudra like that so they can take certain different roles but all of these positions are not by birth but by guna and karma one can be trained to become a brahmana one can be trained to become a kshatriya like this so in the in the vedic practice it was not a hierarchical society it was to say anybody in any ashram it is meant to respect other other varnas and ashram like a brahmana should respect the shudras imagine uh, if, if let's say if somebody clears the garbage out there he is a shudra because he does hard work imagine he doesn't come for a week what will happen to the garbage can the brahmana do his uh, clean activities if the garbage is not clear so therefore all these four entities in a human society should work as a cohesive unit and one should not criticize one's position based on someone's occupation this is the whole idea of our national system a brahmana should not criticize oh you are shudra don't come near me that is wrong but at the same time shudra should not say oh you are a brahmana and you are always studying scriptures and not doing any physical work i will also go come and study scriptures he is welcome to do it but what happens because he is not trained to do so what will happen he will open the book he starts reading and he start doing that he can't sit and read he has to work he can't sit and read for more than one hour because he'll go to sleep so therefore he has to engage his senses in actively doing something and while so engaging he can still achieve the supreme lord that is the beauty of varnashrama system so a shudra while doing physical work he can still become a devotee of the lord that is what is called as the communion between bhagavata dharma and varnashrama dharma therefore becoming a bhagavata 
even a lecturer who is outside the Varnashrama system can become a devotee of the Lord. Even though he is doing his, maybe his prescribed duties, it could be anything. And Vedas actually are very bold to say this. There is a very beautiful story. I'll tell about the story and stop here. It is called as the story of Dharma Vyadha. There is a Dharma Vyadha story coming in Chaitanya Charitamrita also, but that's a different one. But this is, it comes in the Vanaparva of Mahabharata and one of the Veda Upanishads also tells this story. In this story, this is a story where Markandeya Rishi is telling about this to Yudhishthira Maharaj. About a, about a Brahman, about a great sage called Kaushika. Whether it's the same sage, Kaushika or different, we do not know. So this sage is practicing Shravana, Manana and trying to apply this Vedic practices in his life. So he goes to the forest, meditates for a while. I don't know if I've told this story, but I'll tell it nevertheless because it's applicable to today's discussion. So he every day goes to the forest, meditates, he reads the scriptures, the Vedas and then sits and meditates on those things that he has studied and heard from his Guru. And one day when he's doing this, there is a bakat, there is a crane, there is a crane which is sitting on the tree and it passes stool, it drops stool on him when he's meditating. And he's been practicing for long and he's a very learned gentleman and he's a Brahman. When he sees that the bird has passed stool on him and the, and the bird is flying, he becomes within a second he becomes very enraged. He becomes so enraged that this bird has done, you know, kalmash. Now he has to go and take a shower again, you know, he has to take a bath again because he has become dirty. So he, 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 he gazes at the bird in such an anger, the bird immediately turns into ashes. So very quickly, the Brahmana thinks, he sees with the eyes of compassion, oh no, what did I do? I killed the bird. But at the same time, he gets convinced that, oh my God, have I got so much power that I can burn someone just by my eyesight? He becomes very satisfied with that. He says, oh my God, so... I have achieved something by my studies. I have achieved something by my studies, but poor bird, I should not have done that. So with this, uh, he goes on that day for his bhiksha because they, as I said, they don't earn money, they go on, they live on bhiksha. Bhiksha means what? You will see in Vrindavan that many saints live on bhiksha. Bhiksha means that he, they live on daan only. Somebody gives them a daan, they take it. So he goes to a house and put it, and usually they go to a bhiksha where Grihastas. Grihastas are the people who, who are the maintainers of the entire ashram, Varnashrama system. They are at the foundation of it. Why? Because Brahmacharya, Vanaprastha, Sanyasa, they all depend on Grihastha. Grihastha is the pivotal of the organ. And we see Iskon has moved from, uh, in one sense, orange rose. I know many people in the city when we go to Harinam, they say, why are you not in orange rows? They say. Because some old people say this, because they have seen Harinam, in those days where there were 100 people dancing on the streets with orange robes, now they don't see orange robes, they see jackets and white dhoti and things like that. Why? Because we have moved towards a Grihastha society now, which is the, which is the foundation of, of the society. But therefore, when he goes to the Grihastha ashram and he says, Vikshandehi, Vikshandehi, this is what they say, Vikshandehi, give me Viksha. In this house, there is a Grihini. Now, why I am telling you the story is, here is a person who is following Brahmana Dharma. He has come to a house. This house is Grihastha Dharma. In that Grihastha house, there is a lady who is following Stri or Grihini Dharma. And now he is asking Bhiksha to her. Okay, now 
this is the situation which Markandeya Rishi is creating for Yudhishthira Maharaj because Yudhishthira Maharaj is going to rule now after his one Mahabharata war. He calls twice or thrice and that the Grihini is taking care of the husband, the children and her in-laws inside the house. And she is doing her duties perfectly because that is a responsibility now, that is a Grihini Dharma. So what happens, the husband is not well or whatever, for whatever reason, he, she serves and waits until the husband has finished his uh, prasadam and then, uh, then he, she hears Bhikshan, they, they always call it three times. And she hears and quickly runs, prepares her Bhikshan and brings it out. At this point, the Brahmana, Kaushika, he becomes annoyed because, because of the pride he has invoked now because of his practice. He sees the lady with angry eyes because you have made me wait. And he starts chastising to say, don't you understand I am a Brahmana? Hey Nari, don't you understand that you should serve the Brahmanas first? Without serving the Brahmanas, your, your, all your dharmas are useless. And he starts chastising the lady. And he starts gazing her with those angry eyes. And the lady says, you must apologize, you must uh, uh, pardon me, my dear Brahmana. I did not do this intentionally because I had my chores to finish. I had to serve my husband, I had to serve my in-laws, I had to serve my children because that is my duty, that is my primary duty. Giving viksha also is my duty, therefore I have brought the viksha, but there was a delay. So please forgive me for that and Brahmanas are very merciful, so please show me mercy. She says like that. And then he stares at her as if to burn her. Then she realizes, she reads, she reads him and say, don't think that I am the bird that you burned in the forest, that I will also burn when you gaze me like that. When she says that the Brahmana is in a shock because it was in the forest, how can this lady even know what happened in the forest? You see? And then, we do not know, Markandari, she does not say whether she knew what, what, what had happened in the forest or whether she, you know, just spontaneously said that, you know, the Lord make her speak that. And then, this Rishi Kaushika is shocked to say, how did you know that I burned the bird there? And then the, the Grihini says, the Grihini gives, gives the great Brahmana a teaching, a preaching, a class on what is Dharma. She says, Brahmana means one who is full of knowledge. And one who is full of knowledge, what is a symptom of someone who is full of knowledge? Huh? Sorry? Won't kill others. Won't kill others, okay. Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says this. Understands more. Okay, Krishna says this. Vidya Vinaya Sampanne. Vidya Vinaya Sampanne Brahmane Gavi Hastini. Sunicha Eva Swapakecha Pandita Samadarshina. So, one mentions this first. The symptom of someone who has hold on Vidya is Vinaya. Vinaya means what? Humility. Humility is the trait of a Brahmana. And you don't have that nature. Therefore, you, have, you don't have access to knowledge. She says, she is telling that to the Brahmana. <laughs> the Brahmana is shocked. I am studying the Vedas. I am following Brahmana Dharma. I, I bathe three times a day in the Ganga and blah, blah, blah. This lady is just, you know, in sense gratification. She has produced children. What to, what she... Nothing. She is just a living a normal life and yet she knows better dharma than this brahmana who has given his life for the shastras. So, the, the scriptures show this to say 
it is just not what varna you are it doesn't make just because you are a brahmana you are superior and here the shastras present the situation where a mere you know stree who is taking care of her family a grihini preaching dharma the tenets the wisdom the culmination of all scriptures of dharma to this person brahmana who is given his life to study dharma scripture you see then he at once surrenders he says looks like you have understood the essence of the scriptures my dear mother i have failed to attain this essence can you please train me in this you know what she says in mithila desha there is a butcher named dharma vyadha is very famous for dharma you go and take inspections from him can you even imagine the scriptures drag the position of a brahmana to to take instructions from grihastha grihini where the grihini says you brahmana are so low class you should take instructions from the butcher and it puts the butcher in a higher position than a brahmana so what does it indicate it indicates that a brahmana who has not understood the scriptural injunction and who becomes proud is worse than the butcher that is why this story is and these are presented to yudhishthira why because market rishi selling this to yudhishthira maharaj to say that you are a king it doesn't mean you are superior it means you have to learn from everyone for a cohesive society everybody has their part to play in the society as a king what you have to do is make sure that the part they are playing is dovetailed towards krishna consciousness so their their consciousness is gradually moved towards krishna that is the purpose of a brahmana not that i will say i am a brahmana so everybody should respect me i am a king everybody should respect me come and pay obeisances to me that is not the idea this is called aryan society one who does not do this is called non aryans very famously when the when britishers attacked the, the holy land of bharata uh, they they immensely tried when they saw this you see when i said aryan meter when is when they saw this advanced linguistics in the scriptures they were they were shocked what sort of an advanced civilization is this so they did not want to acknowledge the advancement of the civilization therefore they said actually these people were hunters and nomads the aryans were us we actually came into this country and propounded this religion and this practices and sanskritam also came from us only you see that so this is called as a fake aryan invasion theory so they uh, especially the person called max muller you see even his worship even today going to bangalore there is max muller bhavan they worship him in agarbatti he is the one who grossly misinterpreted the vedas with a devious intention so these people are called as uh, krishna says maya yaparta gnana namam duskritino muda prapadyante nara adhama maya yaparta gnana it is the next verse next line asuram bhavam ashritah they take the shelter of asura vritti and with this these duskritinas will misinterpret the vedas duskritino muda prapadya माया यपर्थ अपहर्ता मीन अपहरण मीन्स व्हाट सच पीपल इज ज्ञाना माया यपर्ता ज्ञाना देयर नॉलेज इज स्टोलन बाय माया एंड दे टेक आसुरिक शेल्टर सो सच पीपल विल नेवर अंडरस्टैंड मी एंड माय इंस्ट्रक्शंस अर्जुन कृष्ण सेस सो दैट इज व्हाट दीस पीपल डू व्हेन दे मिसइंटरप्रेट द वेदास फॉर डीवियस इंटेंशंस दैट लेट मी समहाउ यू नो मिसइंटरप्रेट द वेदास एंड टेल देम एक्चुअली आर्यन्स मीन्स अस ओनली यू नो द पीपल हु केम फ्रॉम यूरोप एंड अदर पार्ट्स ऑफ the globe and you are low class so so you worship us we are superior that's not our purpose of aryans you see 
So that's what Prabhupada says. Aryan means who don't even harm a tree. You will see in uh, southern parts of India, this, there is a practice. If you have a coconut tree, coconut tree is called as Kalpavriksha. Kalpavriksha means it is a giver of, Kalpavriksha means it gives everything. You see, in coconut tree, uh, you know, the huts are made of the, the, the leaves of a coconut tree. You see, if you want to Prabhupada's ashram kutir in Mayapur, it's made of leaves. In the same way, if you come to South India, you will see the leaves are woven to, become, to make shelter. And then the coconut, as you know, is useful. The bark is useful. A coconut tree, whether living or dead, it is useful. So when, let's say, if they have a house, if they have a coconut tree, they won't chop it off. They'll build their house around it. I, I have seen houses where the coconut tree has gone inside the roof also. <laughs> gone inside the roof and they will construct an open arena there where they will use that area to wash their feet and when the rain comes the water comes into the house it's an open area it's very similar to how Vranda, you know Vrindavan temple is constructed very vedically if you go to very ancient places in Kerala you will find these houses still that uh, you enter the house and there is a central place where it's open see Vrindavan temple it's open in the middle and they wash their feet inside in that area and the coconut trees and all will be there in that place and the house is constructed around the tree and especially the Ashwatha tree. Ashwatha is a people tree. Ne, people don't cut it. If you have an Ashwatha tree in your in your plot, you can't sell it. People will not buy it. You know why? Because you have to, to buy it, you have to chop the tree. They won't buy any land that has an Ashwatha tree because the, neither the owner will chop it off nor the buyer will chop it off. So that land is pretty useless. It is meant for Ashwatha tree only. <laughs> so this is the practice. Uh, we were in Calcutta recently. In the midst of the city, there is a house and the Ashwatha tree, they have built the, they have built the house around the Ashwatha tree. Ashwatha tree is quite huge and they have opened up the roof for the tree to grow, you see. So why I am saying this is this is Aryan civilization. To see goodness even in Sthira. Sthira means what? One who is standing, trees. Sthira, Chara, Sattva, Kadambesh. Even in Sthira, Sthira Jivas means tree doesn't, doesn't move. To see equally Sthira, Chara means one which moves, the animals. Uh, Sattva Kadambeshva means living entities. Sthira Chara Kadambeshva Apritak Dhyaya. Dhyaya means consciousness. Apritak means to see, uh, to, to see equally all of this. The tree, Sthira Chara Sattva Kadambeshva Apritak Dhyaya. This is what is called as Aryan. Aryan does not distinguish. But when I say distinguish, it does not mean that the Aryan will say, Oh, I am sitting in the house. Let me bring the fish from the water and put him in the house. <laughs> equality also has to be understood correctly. See, equality does not mean, uh, for arguments like I tell you, uh, the children go to class, right? Let's say in your class there are how many students? Uh, 27. 27. In that 27, let's say there are 3 students who don't study at all. <laughs> they don't study. But they will say, during the exam, the teacher has to give them full marks. Why? Because equality. Equality, no? Why are you giving different marks to him and different marks to me? That's not right. Is it right? It should be equal, correct? So you have to give all of them the same marks. Yes or no? No? Then you are being unequal. What is equality then? What is equality? You have to understand inequal, equal treat, inequal treatments of the inequals is called equality. <laughs> Does it make sense? Inequal treatment of inequals is called equality. Means, jisko dena hai, jisko jo dena hai, usko do in Hindi. Means, whatever one is eligible, you give him that. That is so called equality. Not that you give the same to everyone. Yes or no? This concept of equality has been so much 
exploited, you see, go back to the 1930s, the so-called uh, Tobacco Association of the United States, they saw an opportunity in equality. They saw in the 1930s and 1940s, majority of their customers, they had reached a saturation level. Why? Because all men were smoking. I used to work here in, uh, Collins, uh, in Collins Street office. And uh, it was a six-year-old office. And my colleagues used to say, and they were, they were working in that building for 35 years. And they used to say, 30 years back, in their offices, everybody used to smoke. Everyone used to smoke. I can't imagine. And that was the status symbol. You smoke. So in 1940s, the Tobacco Association saw, we have, we have reached a saturation of the market, all men are smoking. Where is my next potential customer? Equality. They started advertising. Why? Women are no less. Why are you thinking you are less? Only why he can smoke. Please put out your equality. And then they started giving ads. In five years, they were able to conquer the market. 80% of women started smoking. Go and research it in the Google, you'll find it. And after 30 years, they saw cancer rates increasing. Cancer rates increasing. Then they started. Till then, on the cigarette packets, there was advertisements. Power to be the same. <laughs> Soft power. All these, you know, to exploit. This was exploitation in the name of equality. So that is non-RH. So we have to understand these principles are very difficult and how the society, the innocent society is exploited by the so-called bigots in the name of business. So this was not allowed if there was a Brahminical layer to govern what is right and what is not right for the society. So this is called Varnashtava system. So I will, I will summarize and finish, uh, complete here. Therefore, interestingly, Prabhupada in the last section of the purport says, Yetu sarvani karmani mai sanyasya matparah ananyeva yogena mat maam dhyayanta upasate. Every living entity in this universe has a purpose. And in intelligent civilization indulges a particular living entity according to his guna and karma and then alleviates his consciousness towards Krishna. So that is mai sarvani karmani. So this is how you harmonize between Bhagavata Dharma and Varnashrama Dharma. Varnashrama definitely is a socio-economic structure, but the purpose of that structure is Krishna consciousness. When the purpose is the same as Bhagavata Dharma, then it doesn't become different. So therefore it is aprita So therefore Prabhupada is trying to bring harmony between Varnashrama Dharma and Bhagavata Dharma in this verse. And Chitraketu is saying, because it is your system, Krishna, Varnashrama system, Krishna, Prabhupada, Krishna is saying, I have established this dharma, ashrama, Varnashrama, Chatur Varane, Maya Shrishtam, Krishna says, I have created this system. It cannot be, uh, it cannot be material because Krishna has created this system. And this is there in, inherent in the society as a socio, psycho, psychosocial, psychological, socio-psychological classification of the jivas, of their consciousness. So therefore, if the purpose of the Varnashrama is defined and adhered to, then it is non-different to Bhagavata Dharma. But, how to reach that purpose? Prabhupada culminates in many places that the only way to reach that purpose is by chanting the holy names of the Supreme God. Because, by, because Krishna consciousness, Prabhupada has simplified it for us. One way to fight Maya and non-Aryan civilization is to chant the holy name of the Lord, is to follow the principles and the guidelines laid in by the Acharyas. Thereby, we create a society where the whole world's consciousness is moving towards Krishna. That's very important. We have to take everyone. That's why Prahlad Maharaj is quoted here. Prahlad Maharaj says, Swastyastu Vishwasya Khalao Prasidatam. He is praying for everyone. 
Why only devotees? Everyone, every living entity. So this is the whole idea behind Aryan civilization. So I'll stop here. Uh, there any questions or comments? Yes, Shreya. Uh, uh, Say it. Uh, you said that we should follow Bhagavad Dharma and the proper Prabhupada also said that we should follow the instructions of Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavad But in Mahabharata we see how Arjuna, he kills like he, he wants to kill Jayadrath, like he kills Jayadrath in his anger. So like was he violating the instructions of <clears throat> the question is, he kills Jayadrath in anger. Was he following our Bhagavad Gita or Bhagavad uh, Have you seen anyone kill very happily? Have you seen very, someone very remorseful? You will see that when he killed Bhishma. Uh, <clears throat> in the war, it's a, it was a war. And in the war, anger is required. But we have to understand, Arjuna surrendered to Krishna and he is only fighting the war as an instruction is given by Krishna. So therefore, you will see time and again Krishna also was inciting Arjuna to get up and pick up your bow and arrow and fight, get up and fight, get up and fight. Krishna tells him many times. And this is required, anger is required for a soldier to drive himself in the war, because it's a war. Although he used anger, he did not have hatred towards Jayadrath. He did not have hatred towards him. There was no hatred. This is the difference between a terrorist killing and a devotee killing. It was a very important point to raise because Mahabharata, in those days, if you see, the population of India was around 5 crores, not much. Very small population. And the way the war was fought was not in the cities. They did not come and bomb the cities. The war was decided to to fight in a very uh, segregated place where there are no women, no children, no old people, no young people were used, so that the farmers were separate from the battlefield, the food produced was separate, the civilization was not attacked. The war was played as a game, and when the game, you will see who wins, whoever wins will rule the kingdom. And in the war, definitely there will be anger, there will be revenge, because it, Kshatriya spirit has to be, has to be there, but there will be no hatred. You know, they will not hate. The killing is not due to hate. The killing is because it's a kshatriya. And as I said, dharma, if Mahabharata Yuddha was did not happen, little violence is justified for a bigger cause. I'll tell you another example. Let's say a lion is attacking a village and it is daily eating a cow. Every day it comes and eats a cow. Then the village people will come and decide, we have to Either in today's day they, they don't kill the lion, but in older days they will have to kill the lion somehow. So one may say the peta people will come, how dare you kill the lion? Now the lion has already finished 60 cows, 60 cows has already been killed. Now you are trying to protect one lion, so then they will kill the lion. So one lion, violence of one lion is justified to protect further cows being killed. In the same way Mahabharata, because Duryodhana and his uh, com companions were so horrible, so that therefore that war was fought, and the war was fought for dharma, establishing the principles of dharma, which is there even today, to protect the pious and to annihilate the pious. And that is why the war has fought. And therefore Krishna says, and therefore Arjuna's anger was justifiable because anger is required to fight. Does it make sense? But he did not hate. 
He was just following the instructions of Krishna. You will see this practice even in the Indian Army today. Recently, someone had forwarded me a video. An Indian Army guy was bargaining with the terrorists to say, Please surrender. Why do you want to fight? We will give you a good life. Please surrender to the police. Why do you want to end your life? So he was, he, out of compassion, he was telling to the terrorists. You see? So this is, this is Aryan. This is real Aryan. Aryan doesn't mean someone will go and kill Hathazar without any, uh, uh, what is that, mercy. Yes, Prabhu. Sorry, I overshot time. Yeah. Uh, my question is to mention, uh, two questions actually. So you mentioned that uh, one is not trained, uh, one can become, one becomes trained as a Brahmana when it's not born. <coughs> but then at the same time, from a Vedic point of view, like if you look, if we study, at least what I read so far, you don't see many, like at least for me, it didn't seem that many persons become like Kshatriyas or Brahmanas or Vaishyas, like in the whole, yeah. like. We can see like many people they become Vaishnavas, yeah. but then uh, like really people changing their varna. I can only think of um, Vishwamrita. Yeah. yeah, he changes. He became Brahmana from Kshatriya, but that doesn't happen very often. Yeah, can you com comment on that? Yeah, it doesn't happen very often because the whole idea of identifying one's guna, one's proclivities in nature, has gone. We don't have brahmanas and, and teachers who can identify a jiva's guna and then engage him in that activity. So, in fact, in the seventh canto, there is a verse: Vidharma paradharmascha abhasa upamachalaha adharma shakaha panchamena panchema dharma gno dharma vatyaje. Nardamani says this to Yudhishthira to say there are five reasons of anti-dharma. One is to do someone else's dharma. So one is a Brahmana, but he doesn't know he is a Brahmana, he is doing someone else's dharma. Or one is a Shudra, but he is trying to become a Brahmana. Why his guna, his nature is not inclined like that. So therefore it is, it, is, it is imperative for a teacher to identify his nature and train him according to his nature. You identify his guna and train him in that, then his karma becomes according, dovetailed to his nature. So that is absent in today's days. That's why you will see that. In olden days, because there was no mixing of the of the yeah. Varnas, it was pretty much pure, but nowadays because it's mixed, you will not see that. And therefore, it's gone one more society is to, one more uh, uh, teenage is to establish the Brahminical layer, to identify and to train them in that layer. And then once the Brahmanas are trained, then the naturally the other three Varnas fall in place. That's the whole idea, that's what Prabhupada's vision was, what I understand. Actually, I'll also answer my second question. Okay. But I have one more. And um, you mentioned how in Vedic culture, Brahmanas, they would definitely not work for salary. Yeah. So how much does it apply to modern society? I mean, we can see, obviously, we can see there's so many great traveling creatures, and a lot of them, they're all renunciants, and they don't work, yeah. like Manakras or Sannyasis. But how much would it apply to um, you know, Brahmanas who would rehast us in our community? Yeah, so I had asked this question to the Nature Prabhu also. <coughs> How does that work? In today's civilization, people are not trained to treat Brahmanas correctly. So, therefore, it is the duty of the Brahmana also to train the Varnas to say what is Dakshina and demand a Dakshina, not for self gratification, but as a training to say you should give Dakshina. So, that is what is applicable in today's society. So, therefore, it is not surprising when my spiritual master might ask, you donate me this much money. And that donation is not because he wants that money, but it is because to purify me so that I can be trained to give Dakshina to the Brahmanas. Mm. 
that comes as a practice in the culture and in the society people know how to treat and, and uh, honor the brahmanas who follow a very simple living. So that is my understanding. Just for my own clarification, would that mean, for example, Brahman has one of the obligations to give knowledge? Yes. So then Brahmanas, they could, they, they could say, you know, I give this knowledge, but I expect this Dakshina from It is not only giving service. knowledge, it is also to train. Yes. To train yeah. by practically saying, you give me Dakshina. Okay. And your capability is this, you give me Dakshina. Not for, for me to enjoy, but for you to train to that you should, tomorrow if you see another Brahmana, you should give Dakshina. This is the practice that they train them at the cost of me eating that brahmana because I might think he's asking Dakshina. Yeah. But the brahmana will still do it nevertheless. Elevated brahmana. That's an answer. And my sincere apologies for overshooting time. Uh, please pardon me for that.